0: if I have to get served some STHU juice by our next guest, Ahmad Hawkins. Sideline reporter, pre- and post-game analyst as well for the Virginia Cavaliers radio network, Virginia Sports, and of course, legendary Virginia wide receiver. But... I don't know if you'll say that I've seen the light, but I've seen the progress from Virginia football. They outgained Miami by 101 yards. They lost that game. They could easily be 0-2, but they could also easily be 2-0 against North Carolina and top five quarterback in the upcoming NFL draft, Drake May. They won that game in Chapel Hill. They, you could argue, should have won at Miami. Proof of concept seems like it's starting to come together for Tony Elliott's squad there are certain head scratching things inopportune turnovers game management things that have gotten better but obviously are not where they need to be but you know I'll be the first to admit I've been critical at certain times of the team this year but from a raw schematic standpoint offensively and defensively It actually looks like things are really trending in the right direction. It's just a matter of figuring out how to win games, which is an outsider in football, but an insider as a competitive athlete. That is often the hardest thing is getting over that mental hurdle. So we get some perspective from someone who may tell me to S-T-H-U, the man who serves the juice up himself from the sidelines, from the microphone, and even from I am Ball Hawk on Twitter and Instagram. It's Ahmad Hawkins. Family member of ours, as we like to call him, back in the fast lane. Ahmad, first of all, we hope you're well. Second of all, am I reasonable to say that we are starting to see tangible concepts that Virginia football is improving, even though it's not showing up in the place that matters most, which is the win-loss column?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're starting to see more consistency from the execution piece. Um, I like to always say on Twitter, like when people ask about adjustments or what is this, what is... Coach Des Kitchen's doing or what is Coach Rudd doing. As a former player, we know, like, Coach could call what, he, what they want, but if we don't execute, they don't look as well. But if we execute, it could be a bad play call, but if we just execute it well and do what we're supposed to do, they look like a genius. So there's so many moving parts in football that we most likely just respond to the outcome. And that's why I always love what I do for a living because I'll watch the film and really dive in and be like, okay, This play call was actually good, but we missed a a block right here or somebody didn't run the right route here. So um, i just like to give both ends of the spectrum. But I understand the fan standpoint, and I've I've learned over the years, like you just have to ride that wave uh, because when it's going good, it's great. And when it's going bad, it's, it's, it's awful.
0: The wave of where it's been for Virginia football. They have won two of their last three games, could have been three in a row as well. They took Miami to overtime before ultimately falling on the Mark Fletcher touchdown run, 29 26, the final in overtime of that game. How close were the Virginia Cavaliers to winning that game at Miami and winning three in a row and maybe having even more momentum in their direction?
1: I mean, they were very close. Um, you know, it's two games that I look at that we, we, we lost. Like So, Tennessee, we lost that game. Maryland, I know we were close, but we lost that game. Uh, but the the other games, you know, we could easily be six and two. Um, it'll be a, a different conversation. Uh, but just looking at last game, you got six trips in the red zone uh, and you settle for three on on four of those occasions and they came back to haunt you. The one mistake we made on offense as far as a turnover, um, they ran it back for a touchdown. So it's just one of the things that as you continue to learn how to win, the margin of error is still very small. We got away with it versus Carolina. We overcame it, but versus Miami, we could not. So it just goes to show, like with each improvement, it's still little things that could come back to real's ugly head. And and that's just the difference of a of, you know an average team and a and a very good team.
0: Outside of the NC State game, where the penalties at the end were ones that. Again, I was critical of them and believe they could have changed. By and large, they've cleaned that up and they've clearly taken a lot of accountability in almost every situation for things that could have gone differently in the game to prevent it from going awry late in the game. And again, a play here, a play there and where it matters. How much more important is that for this Virginia team, not just now, but going forward? because of the way Tony Elliott wants to build the program and the way Virginia's building it, which is you're not going to be able to outspin for tons of talent, so you're going to have to do a lot of the little things correctly.
1: Yeah, you you know, as a coach and even as a former competitor, you just want to see improvement in your game. Like if, if one team ran the ball all over you, you want to make sure the next game that opponent that opponent doesn't continue that trend. So you want to correct the mistakes. That's all you want to do in life. You want to correct the mistakes, correct the mistakes, continue to get better, get 1% better. And a lot of times, um, some folks call it a moral victory, but that's how you have to approach it when you're coming out the mud. Like, when you're not a very good football team and you're trying to ascend, you have to pay attention to the small victories. Again, it's it's not a moral thing. It's just you being honest with yourself because as you stated, you have to demonstrate to the fan base The players have to see for themselves and then you have to show the recruits that, yeah, we may be losing, but we are definitely improving. You can be that difference maker and I can continue to improve as a coach with my play calling, like a dad's kitchen when people go at him on the X app. Being a man and and holding himself accountable and, and, and not getting emotional and defensive and saying, okay, let me improve in this area. And that's all you want. You just want people to be accountable and it's not about being captain obvious, but if you say that somebody needs to work on something and they show you they gotten better, at least applaud them for improving in the area in which you were so critical. Because a lot of folks would just take the easy way out and say, well, are they supposed to do that. Like, no, you were critical. They fixed it. Give them applause for that. Like, be man enough to, to stand 10 toes down and be like, yeah, he served me some juice right here. They got better.
0: Amon Hawkins, former Virginia Cavalier wide receiver, great. Now an analyst for UVA and a sideline reporter as well. He's said, I am Ballhawk on Twitter and Instagram, and he's with us right now here in the fast lane. The one thing that's jumped out to me is schematically on offense. I know people have gotten on Des Kitchens at times. I've been in that camp at certain spots more last year than this year, um, and even defensively, which it looks like that unit's improved over the course of this season. How much of it is the fact that, schematically, this stuff actually seems to make sense and fit the personnel. It's just consistency is the bugaboo, and you can't afford to have that when you're winning on the margins.
1: Yeah, I mean, we got more consistent up front with our offensive line. Like, football starts up front on both sides of the ball. Like, every good football team, you have to be able to protect, and you have to be able to block and create holes for your running backs. So we've gotten better up front. We got some stability up front. Um, we have some musical chairs and Coach H has continued to coach those guys on the offensive line and you see the difference when they perform well we look better on offense just a transfer point transfer Northwest 65 thousand yards with the sixth receiver to complete that feat here at UVA have gained over a thousand yards in the in the season and Coach Bears is just understanding his personnel and playing towards the strength of his athletes and understand if there's a line is struggling. and let me alleviate that with certain play calling, whether it's bubble screens, whether it's uh, quick game, whether it's uh, RPO, just something to alleviate and allow them to, to get their feet up under them. So it's taking a collective effort to all come to one. But when you on the outside looking in, you got to blame the head man, which is the OC, because it's their job to always play toward the strength of his players and, and put them in the best position to be successful.
0: Hold, hold up for a second, Ahmad. You're a former wide receiver, great at UVA, and you just said the most important unit on offense was the offensive line. What yes, what has absolutely. Happened, What has happened to you over time? You're not a wide. I, you got you got to play up the diva wide receiver role. I mean, I know that's never nah, been who you are. I don't even like on. that. I
1: don't even like that Monica. Why are we divas? Because
0: I'm not saying we, you. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying you got to play up. are receivers
1: considered divas though. Quarterbacks are the biggest diva on the field. Y'all say they are the most important position, but they don't get the diva Monica. A quarterback is a diva. The definition of a diva is a quarterback, not a receiver.
0: Hair got to be looking right. They got to make yeah, sure everything they're always is looking good. perfect. You know
1: what I'm saying? Everybody love them. Everybody love divas. Divas is good looking. They put them up as a trophy. That's the diva, not us as receivers. See, that's how I take up for receivers. You see that? I did. It. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, Ed, get back in line.
0: <laughs> Fine, I will do that on W226, BG Timberlake, WVGMA Lynch Lynchburg, and WMNA, Gretna Danville, Southside. <laughs> I mean, look, hey, we got to call a spade a spade here on the fast lane uh, with Ahmad Hawkins. But, no, you brought up a lot of the points. And the heat that Tony Elliott and Des Kitchens have taken as offensive coordinator and head coach for Virginia, and to a point earlier this year even, defensive coordinator John Rudzinski. How much do they Mm -hmm. understand that as coaches, that that's part of why they are paid what they are? And I know players can make NIL money, but it's not the same as as offensive and defensive coordinators and head coaches. How much do they understand that? And while the stress may have worn on them, they've taken that burden away from a team that obviously has had plenty of well-documented burdens over the last handful of months, certainly dating back to last year and the tragedy on grounds.
1: I mean, it just just shows that these men are are, are well aware of, Um, the accountability piece when it comes to coaching. Like, when you're not producing, people are going to start to place blame and either you – and I got a lot of respect for him, but, you know, you take the coach prime uh, approach and just say our offensive line not good, and we got to find – like, you can take that approach because he he can afford to do that, but our coaches can't afford to just throw guys up under the bus. Like, you take it on the 10, you evaluate the talent, you look at it and see what the best groupings are, and you play towards it. Like this year, you know, we lost Cam to a shoulder injury, and we really can't generate a lot of pressure as far as sacks. But we can help get quarterbacks off their spot, run games up front. Uh, tie-in coverages on the back end that allows us to play to the strength of the corners that we have. And lo and behold, yeah, we may give up some passes here and there, but you, el- you eliminate the deep ball. You get some timely interceptions, some timely breakups, some timely pressures, speed the quarterback clock up, make them see one thing, but it's different. Start uh, started Cam Robinson, who's been a, a star since he's entering the starting lineup. So just one of them things that they just continue to evaluate their players, not make excuses, and are men enough to understand that we're falling short and we're going to keep working, especially Coach Rudd. Anytime you talk to him, you can praise him. He's still looking at the mistakes that they made. So you can say, hey, Coach, you limited Miami to well under their average of 190 yards rushing. He's like, yeah, but, you know, we, we didn't finish. That's what you want to see. So th- that's what I take from these these coaches, man. That's why I have a lot of admiration for them because I understand the work that they put in, but I also understand the fan aspect of the, the results aren't there.
0: That's ultimately what people want to see, but it, it, true or false? We're getting closer to that actually happening.
1: Oh, we're definitely getting closer, uh, but it's just one of the things that, with our program's history, they don't want to be patient anymore. And I get it. Like, they're tired of people saying, hey, be patient, be patient. Because every time we make a coaching change, we got to be patient. No, they want a Tony Bennett-type program where you know you want to not be picked to win ACC, but win the ACC, win 30 games, and go to the tournament. Now they're starting to get grumblers about the tournament, but still, he won the biggest show. So it's like, hey, you might want to serve some shut the hell up juice to anybody that's behind you saying, what is Tony Bennett doing? Or... Coach O'Connor in baseball or Olympic sports. So the other sports don't have to be patient. And the biggest sport has to be patient. And these fans are just waiting to cheer and have fun that game.
0: Ahmad, Virginia, they get Georgia Tech, which is one, a number of, Higher profile games, notably the Miami no kneel down game against Georgia Tech, uh, (laughs) which I mean, that's their big one, but they've also lost to teams like Bowling Green and Boston College and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. in in manners where you go, really, how did that happen? How opportunistic is this for Virginia? Again, they're two and six. They need to win out to get ball eligible. It's not impossible, but it's obviously a challenge, but how opportunistic? important is it to get a victory right now and to keep the perception of momentum going to where it's more a reality than just a perception
1: you know Georgia Tech is like you said Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde like they will beat teams that you think they wouldn't beat and they'll lose to teams you don't feel like they should lose to. um they beat North Carolina pretty pretty soundly in my opinion they put up over 600 yards of total offense uh what they did versus Miami so both of those games in which they won both teams ranked in the top 20 But they were opportunistic. They got late turnovers. We know Miami not kneeling and fumbling. But with UNC, they were driving to pretty much take the game over. And one of their corners causes a fumble on their best receiver. He made a big catch across the middle. So what they do is this. They give up a lot of yards. Statistically, they're worse than us on defense. They give up more points. They give up more total yards. They give up over 200 yards rushing the game. But they turn you over. They get pressure. They make game-changing plays. Like when they generate a turnover, is at the most important times. So that's how they've been surviving. And they could put up a lot of points. They average over 190 yards rushing. They won the best passing teams. Their their quarterback, the transfer for Texas A&M, is very dynamic. Like they got a lot of tools, and you just don't know which team is going to show up. So this is a dangerous game for the Wahoos because. They're so explosive and very opportunistic that they can blow the waters open and let you have as many yards as you want. But their offense feel like they're always going to score seven.
0: It's amazing what you can get. It should be a fun game this coming Saturday. Um, Ahmad, keys to victory. You'll have them on the scoreboard, and we'll wrap mm-hmm. up with this today in the fast lane. What are you identifying right now before you come up with your official keys to victory before Georgia Tech and Virginia square off at 2 p.m. at Scott Stadium this Saturday?
1: Yeah, so Georgia Tech lives for explosive plays, 20-plus or more. Um, There's been various games where they had at least seven plays of 20-plus yards or more. Um, they're very dynamic. They're one of the few teams that could take short bubble screens to the house inside RPO with the running back or their quarterback. I mean, their quarterback can actually run. He's one of the first quarterbacks since Lamar Jackson here in the ACC to have over 2,100 yards and 400 yards rushing and 20 touchdowns like Nobody's done that since Lamar in 2016. He's done that, so um, you just gotta make them methodically move the ball down the field. And um, I'm a, I played 10 years in the Arena League, and I'll go with make you settle for three. That's how Miami beat us. I'll let you get to the red zone, then, but don't break. Then make you settle for three because defensively they give up just as many plays as they generate over 20 yards. So now offensively, can you run the ball? Because everybody that's beating them has really ran right at them. Boston College beat them by running for over 300 yards. And that's how they won. So you, you got to eliminate big plays, make them settle for three, and then grind the game out by running the football right at Georgia Tech. And then they're going man to play man-to-man. you got to be able to push the ball down the field and win one-on-one coverage.
0: Well, we win all the time when we get a one-on-one with Ahmad Hawkins, as we did today <laughs> in the fast lane. Ahmad, thank you for your time. I am BallHawk Twitter and Instagram. We'll keep it locked. For your sideline reports and your analyst work, pre- and post-game show, and even at the game for Virginia Cavaliers football. You got to get some football. reps, too,
1: man. You got to get some reps now. I need I, to some push-ups. You know, I was going to say, a Ahmad,
0: I do, I do, I'll, I'll have to set it up. <laughs> I do 50 bare-knuckle push-ups every Wednesday, Ooh. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I learned it from Cobra Kai. And it's before I get ready to go out and run and do all that. Which, by the way, we're going to have to get together for a run one of these days. Maybe even uh, I might have to show up for one Don't of the races it. and represent for you.
1: All right. I like it, man. I ain't doing no bare-knuckle Bruce Lee uh, push-ups, though. You, you could you could be fluid like water. I'm chilling.
0: I do take a cheat code on that, though. <laughs> I put my knuckles into the grass, so it's a lot softer than doing it on the concrete okay. <laughs> pavement. So you can argue there might be a little cheat code mixed into that, just for the record.
1: You know how to adjust, man. That's all it is.
0: All the time. Ahmad, thank you for the time today. We'll see you in a couple weeks of the Tech UVA game, and look forward to chatting with you again.
1: No problem, brother. Much love to you.
0: Absolutely. All the best. Ahmad Hawkins with us here in the Fast Lane. That's how we wrap things up today. We will get ready to go live to whatever CBS Sports Radio has before 7 o'clock Tech Talk Live, 8 o'clock Thursday night football tennessee titans they are not wearing the glorious houston oiler throwback uniforms they will go up to battle pittsburgh who hopefully is not wearing those heinous bumblebee uniforms from years ago hopefully it's just a good solid uniform game this evening which we will be broadcasting for you so if it is an eyesore all the more reason to listen to tennessee at pittsburgh this evening we're back tomorrow afternoon five to six on the cbs sports radio lynchburg app